I'm John Smith. Welcome to Kingdom Real. Today we have one of my really, really close friends with me, Mitch Roberts. So good to have you here, and we're looking forward to hearing your story. Glad to be here. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tell me, Mitch, what did you learn, a couple things you learned from your family of origin? Um, they taught me a lot about spirituality in the sense of, like, we went to church growing up. Okay. Uh, we started off in a Baptist church where you go every Sunday morning, yep. Sunday evening, but you get to dress a little more casual in the evening. A little more casual, yeah. And then uh, Wednesday nights was like the, the stuff for, you know, kids and mm -hmm. sure. you go play dodgeball in a gym and then have a little, you know, Sunday school type yep. lesson at the end. Mm -hmm. So that's how I grew up. Um, I'd say it's kind of like uh, I had what I'd say growing up was like the coloring book version of the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, where it's just all these little cartoon characters, you know getting swallowed up by a whale or, you know, all the different things. And so that's really how I learned about it. I didn't really dive deep into it other than just getting some of the, the big stories. Sure. Um, so that's where, you know, like when it comes to my church bring, upbringing, like I was always in church. Mm -hmm. um, and then they taught you other things such as, you know, things about character, hard work, right. honesty, you know, mm -hmm. just different things like that. Yeah. So my family was all about character and, and um, making sure that, as kids, even though we might not have been involved in wanting a deeper understanding spiritually, that we were always exposed to it. So sure. that was that was big all the way up into through high school and mm. and after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so thankful for that kind of a foundation. Yes, very thankful for that. Yes. That's good. So <clears throat> thinking back in your childhood, what would be um, maybe a favorite memory? That uh, just kind of stays with you. It, it's probably two. I got two okay. different two different things. Uh, one would be going to the beach with my mom and my brothers and my cousins and all that. We'd always either go out to Grand Haven or Holland, like either okay. in trailer staying, or we'd rent a big cottage in Grand Haven, and there'd be like 40 of us staying in the cottage. Oh, wow, all the same time. Yep, so I remember that with my family. That was always fun, a good time to bond for like a week. And then the other thing is, is going up north to our property up north as a family. It just lifelong memories up there doing that. Those would be two big things that I'll always hold on to. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. That's great. So those are all really positive, mm -hmm. good things to think about. Um, share with me maybe one of your darkest, most painful, difficult journeys in your life. What happened? What, what was going on? What did that look like? All right. The most difficult, painful journey happened um, shortly after I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, I'm surprised it so wasn't while you were in the Marine Corps. <laughs> right. right. Um, where did you serve? Uh, I, I was with the Marines, and I was in there from 2006 to 2010. Uh, my first deployment was to Fallujah, Iraq. Okay. Uh, I was a machine gunner, spent most of my time in a turret, doing patrols every day uh, through the city of Fallujah, uh, quick react force for when guys got hit and different things okay. that we would fly out there to them. And then my second deployment was a thing they call a MEW, Marine Expeditionary Unit. Hmm. Uh, I believe it's the 31st MEW, where we go to like Okinawa, South Korea, Philippines, Thailand, Japan, uh, Australia. And so you, you just go and train up with their militaries okay. and, you know, then have libo out in those ports and different things like yeah. that. So that is what my two years was. So I was an infantry machine gunner, uh, 0331. And so I spent four years doing that. But the difficulty, I mean, there was difficult times in there, don't get sure. me wrong. Yeah. There are a lot of great times, a lot of bad times. But the most difficult time is when I got out. 
because when I got out within a few months, um, my phone started ringing. And whether it be if people give me phone calls or text, it was guys because my unit went to uh, Afghanistan, sang in Afghanistan, and uh, we lost a lot of guys. Mm. You know, well over 20 guys lost their lives, and that's just and that's not counting the amputees and or the wounded in action and all the yeah. different things that wow. you know. Uh, as much as hard as it is to lose a guy, I think also seeing these guys come back without their legs, eyes, hands, you know, different things like that, mm-hmm. is as difficult as the ones that die because I mean, they're they're coming back in pieces and it's they're not the same people. So that happened. Um, let's see, I got out in around January, and by that coming fall was when I started getting the phone calls because they, they shipped out in the fall and mm. then through the winter, um, months and into the early spring, you know, still losing, still hitting, getting guys hit. Um, so that by far was the hardest because some of the guys I was actually really, really close to. Yeah. Uh, I did the thing where I went down to the recruiter's office crying, asking them if they can get me on a plane and get me to my guys out there because mm-hmm. I said I was still qualified. I did put pretty much most of the work up with them, and right. but they couldn't. They're like, we can get you back with your unit when they get back from Afghanistan, but you can't make it out there. So that was hard, going to funerals, uh, flying out, going to funerals. Um, and that's why every time my phone went off, I didn't even want to look at it. Mm. It was just every day, it seemed like, for about nine months, you know. Oh, wow. And so even when you're getting call- calls from other people that aren't in the military, you know, and it has nothing to do with it, you just you don't even want to look at your phone. You just want to keep it at home. Like there's been t- was times that I'd go to work and I would have just kept my phone at home because I, I didn't want to hear just anymore. anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to work and function if I got another call because, yeah. you know, I'd be at work working the school system and I get a call that one of my best friend dies, and now you got to still keep your composure at work. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of tough. Yeah. So. Well, and that soft heart kind of goes contrary to what a lot of people think of a tough marine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I. My, my parents, you know, uh, they always told me I was the, had the biggest heart out of all the kids in the family. So I was probably the one that shouldn't have gone into the military, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and with that going into the Marine Corps on top of it all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I, I felt called to do it and I felt I had to do it. So yeah. well, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for yours. Yeah, you're welcome. Boy, that's amazing. So, um, all that's going on. So part of it is like, I'm just not going to take the phone with me. Yeah. Um, Anything else happened? <laughs> Lots have happened during okay. that. Um, now, that was my worst time, and you would think that, for some people, their worst time is just a moment. Uh, but that's nine months of moments every yeah. single day, 24 cool. hours a day. And then once they come back, now you fly out there and see them all come back. And so when you're sitting out there on the parade deck and you come see them marching up, some are marching, some are being pushed in wheelchairs, um, some aren't there. You know, and so it's really weird when you see all your brothers leave in one piece and they, they're coming back in pieces. Um, so that was tough. Some of the things that the guys said to me that were, they were trying to be supportive to me. Um, uh, one of the, one of the, he was a corporal when he came back, but he was a Lance Corporal when he left, but uh, a little Hispanic guy, I won't say his name just in case he ever sees this. I don't want to feel bad, but he's like, Man, Corporal Roberts, we could have used you out there. Oh man! Which was him trying to be respectful, saying we we appreciate like everything you did, everything I did, and you know how effective I was as a Marine. But I took it as 
you know, we could have used you. Like, I didn't do my job good enough. I, I abandoned them. I left them. Yeah. All those things that I was feeling, okay. it was like punching me in the face. And I remember I just got in the car and bawled, you know. And uh, so that was tough. But I handled everything the worst way possible. I, I went to substances. Okay. The problem is, is I went to the VA. And instead of getting counseling, they gave me pills. Oh, boy. So they started me down a bad road right off the bat. The very first time I went in there, they started me off on Xanax. Uh, giving me the full doses that you can get the most highest quantity mm. and so I walked out immediately hooked on those things pretty much and then they just started adding more and more then you take alcohol street drugs um, I tried to handle it every way possible but the right way and then when I went and got therapy it didn't do anything and then those therapists or psychologists psychiatrists whichever ones it was that could yeah. actually prescribe more would start stacking medications on top of medications and as you can imagine, things just didn't get better. They just got worse. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening is I became like a pretty much a full-fledged alcoholic, full-fledged drug addict. And um, yeah, my life went to shambles. Uh, I was married for four years, lost my wife. Uh, she moved away. Uh, say, the night before I lost my wife, I had to put my dog down. Mm. Um, and after she left, then I really spiraled. Then I really hit the alcohol, drugs, pills, everything. Got three DUIs in one year. Mm. Uh, tried suicide with a shotgun once, I believe. But when I went to close the breach, because it was a single shot, the shell fell out. So when I pulled the trigger, it just clicked. Oh, man. And then I tried to overdose a couple times. Um, but I'd wake up with vomit all over me and all the pills that I'd taken because what I would do is take a whole bottle of pills and slam a fifth of whiskey and then you wake up and you're just in vomit and all the pills that didn't kill you, you know, because you vomited them up when you are passed out. Hmm. And then my final one was I tried to do suicide by cop. Uh, had a big standoff with them for about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, just open the trigger? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to get them to shoot me. It, it was in front of my house and my mom was there. She had to leave to go drive bus for the schools, and so she kept yelling at the cops that she had to go. That he doesn't have a gun. I kept saying I got a gun in my waistband. I was trying to do anything I could to shoot him. Plus, my size, they were scared of me. Sure. Um, there was five of them, and they ended up tasing me. And uh, I mean, I so I ended up living in the VA uh, mental health hospital for as a resident patient for a, a total of about a year. Wow. Um, from 2014 to 2015. Mm. Uh, they did electronic convulsive therapy to me. That didn't go good. After six of them, they stopped. They were going to do 13 of them. Oh, wow. So my memory is not the best anymore. It did some damage to my brain, and I, so I have a hard time in memory. Hmm. Um, and it was when I was in that VA hospital, though, is at, that was at my lowest point because I lost my wife. I lost my dog um, from all these DUIs, the three DUIs I got in one year because I had just given up. Um, I lost my job. The assault on the police officers forced it, so I had to f force me into retirement because can't stay working for a, a place with that has kids in it when you've got those kind of things on your sure. record. Yeah. Um, so it forced me into an early retirement there. Um, I found out that uh, while I was living in this hospital that my wife that left me had charged up close to $30,000 in credit card debt that all gone in collection that I didn't know about. Oh, wow. And she moved to Arizona, so I'm trying to take care of all this while in a facility like that. So I, I'm looking at between the credit card debt and the debt 
between lawyers and criminal stuff, I'm at about $100,000 in debt right now, sitting inside oh a mental facility in state pajamas, basically. Mm. Um, just at the most bottom, I had just lost all these guys. Yeah. I've lost my wife. I've lost my job. I've lost everything that a man looks at yeah. to try to identify themselves. Yeah, what else is there? Yeah. I lost my sanity. Yeah. I lost my brain capacity to remember things, to do the things that I normally were able to do before. Mm. I had to relearn everything. So right now, at this point, I was at my lowest. Yeah. You know, I, I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of different people that I was close to that when you go and you live in a facility like that, it scares people off and they don't want to be associated with you anymore. Okay. So, you know, um, you looked at as that crazy guy from your hometown, that crazy veteran, okay. you know, and rightfully I kind of earned it, sure. you know, but, yeah. um, but I had a friend who was from my school who met me out there. Okay. They lived in the area and they brought me uh, the book Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Myers. Really? And I read that book because she's like, if I bring this to you, will you read this? And Ooh. I was like, yeah, I'll read it. You know, what okay. else do I got to lose? She's sure. like, I think it'll truly help you because it helped me when I was in a time of okay. going through some hard things. So I'm like, all right. First of all, woman author was not real excited about that. And it was and it was a woman giving me a book and so I'm thinking it's going to be a book meant for women, you know, and I'm like, so I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, I hope my estrogen levels don't rise when I'm reading this and, or any of the other male vets in the area come in and start hitting me, you know, like, what, what are you doing? You're reading this stuff. You soft? But no, I, I approached it like, hey, I've tried all these other things, you know, like, let, let me just read this. And in the back of my head, I knew like what I needed was spirituality because mm -hmm. I tried all the different counseling. I've tried all the different things and I was a prodigal son. You know, like when I, when I graduated high school, when I got away from my family, it was like, give me the money, let me go out, let me do the party and let me do all the same things that the prodigal son did. Yep. Then I joined the military, which kind of kept me from coming back. It actually made me just run further away in a sense. Yep. Um, and then when I come back and I'm trying to have a good life with all that messed up, no, no wonder why, you know, you went so far away mm -hmm. and you've relied so much on yourself and what you can do. Okay. You know, being a Marine, like I, I relied on my physical and my mental capabilities and, you know, what you can withstand and your intelligence. I mean, all that stuff is what helps advance you and keeps sure. you alive. Mm -hmm. Well, I did that with everything in my life, like just relied on me and how I can overcome things. Okay. So when I'm sitting here in this place, like, man, everything that I did on my power got me to here. It didn't get me what it was doing before in my life, making me advance. It got me to my most shallow spot when I relied on myself because I was broke, mm -hmm. because the Lord broke me. Yeah. He knew I needed to be broken, brought down to my knees, all my pride taken away. Mm. Just bring me down. So I am just face down on the ground and I got nowhere to go and I'm just begging like, please, I need something mm. or, or take me from this world. Yeah. You know, cause I, I couldn't even take myself from the world <laughs> as much as I tried. <laughs> Some people might say you're the, you're the worst at the world in killing because, and you're a Marine machine gunner and you couldn't even take out yourself. Well, he didn't want me. He didn't want me yet because he wanted to use me for something. Yeah. And I, I read that book and I got about three quarters away through the book and I got on my knees in, that, in my little room. And I said, Lord, I know you're talking to me. You see me at my lowest right now. If you can get me out of this, if you can do anything with this, mm. use me and I'll do what you want. And it, 
I can't put an exact time on it, but I know it was not days. It might have been a day or a couple days. But all those debts I had were pretty much erased. Some things that came into play, some money that came in, made it so that all that debt, all that stuff was gone. And then he also gave me a cushion so I could go start over. Wow. And with that cushion, I started flipping houses with a buddy and got him going in his business. Okay. Uh, my buddy, Rob Haysbrook, uh, he helped me get on my feet. He was an inspiration to me. He was my one friend. He's the one friend that stayed with you, That right? one civilian friend. I had military guys and other vets that would stick with me, but he was that one civilian friend that just everywhere I went, he followed me and helped me out in every way possible. Wow. So I started flipping houses with him and got him going on that, got him started. Had some good experiences with that, but knew that's not where God was calling me to be. So I kind of changed up some things in my life, went to school, uh, Cornerstone Psychology, um, which then led me to Warrior Set Free. Um, And I started working with Warrior Set Free, and then that was like phase number two of changing my life and giving me direction. So the first phase was just reading that book when I was down on my knees. But then when I started searching, it led me to Warrior Set Free. And now I know that I'm supposed to be helping veterans, helping lead others to Christ, mm-hmm. helping heal those wounds and break down those barriers so people can have hope in their lives yeah. again, you know? Because yeah. it's painful. It's painful. And it's not a place where I like to see people at. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful thing when you can talk to somebody mm-hmm. because of what you've been through and go, listen, there is some great things out there waiting for you. But here, let me show you how you get to them. And how you and how you get to them is, is just leading them back to Christ and helping take out those barriers that they get in between them from those sins or mm-hmm. from those traumas that have happened in their lives. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, and, yeah, and there's there's a lot. There's all kinds of different things and rabbit holes we could go down on and all that. But that's the biggest extent of it was. You know, a prodigal son that ran from everything for so long, trying yeah. to do it all on his own. Mm-hmm. Going in the military, proving his point as a man in the military, getting yeah. out, then having all that trauma happen, all that damage. And I mean, there were some traumas that happened while in the military. You know, there were some things I seen in Iraq that I won't even compare to what the guy's seen in Afghanistan. Mm. And but the the survivor's guilt is what I call it. The okay. the not being there when you wanted to be there most, mm-hmm. and you couldn't be there, and you felt like you let them down. Like yeah. that's that's that was my guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my biggest guilt as the guys that I really, really love. You know, I wasn't there with when they needed me most. Mm-hmm. So that's hard for maybe a, a non-veteran, non-military person to fully understand, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, like I lost my father a couple of years ago, so I'm thankful that I've been as far along in, in my process mm-hmm. of uh, sanctification. Yeah. As I as I was because that was really hard Mm -hmm. but everybody tells me like and not that losing my dad's easy by no means but i say to the people like because when i lost my dad you know i lost him on valentine's day a couple years ago Mm. and uh everybody's like because he was my best friend you know like my dad me and him hunted we did everything from a little kid so they're like wasn't that the hardest and i'm like that was just that was one day of just shock and awe you know followed by a few days of you know having to do the services Mm -hmm. and you grow into that but like I had guys that I was as close to in a different way as my dad, and it was like every day yeah. for nine months. I'm like, that's it's something totally yeah, different, yeah. you know. And so it's just it was a great growing experience in some ways too, because through all these wounds, through all these heartaches, through all these troubles, through all these pains, it helps build a foundation 
um, when you turn back to the Lord. Right. Because all that did was just basically laying down foundation blocks for me to build off from because I know how hard life can be. Yeah. But I also know how great God can be mm-hmm. through those things. And that's why they talk about how sometimes he walks with you, alongside you. Sometimes he carries you. Right. You know, there's all different ways he does things in your life. You know, sometimes he makes it so you avoid certain pains, you know, mm-hmm. that he blesses you that way. But sometimes you need to go through them. And I believe everything I went through, you know, trying to kill myself because I didn't want to live because I was hurting so bad. I believe he saved me from all that because my family always says I'm like a cat that's got nine lives, but I've already used up all nine of them. So I've had to quit while I'm ahead (laughs) because he could have taken me so many different times at so many different moments in my life um, from when I was young with irrigation accidents on a farm to, you know, the military surviving all that to just uh, suicide attempts um, the one police officer um, that was first on the scene, uh, Deputy, thank you, and you know me. I've had lunches with you since then. Um, I gave him PTSD, and he had to take time off his job because he had said that he had mentally already pulled the trigger on me. He just hasn't physically done it yet. And when I was in the VA hospital, he went and met with my mom several times crying um, oh, wow. because it traumatized him so bad. Wow. So I, because of my actions, I traumatized other people. And so then I've, I've dealt with him and I've talked with him and mm-hmm. we're on good terms and everything like that. Oh, and good. he's had some hard times that I've been able to be there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of gone full circle. Yeah. Uh, so that's why there's just different rabbit holes. It's just weird how the Lord works because it's like I've, I have hurt people and I have damaged people and I have done horrible things of which I regret. And I hope someday those people can forgive me. But I also know that through all those things, I've also helped a lot of people too. And so sometimes as much as we damage other people, we can also help other people. And the damage we've done to people, we can learn from that and use that going forward to help others as well. So good and bad, uh, beautiful, ugly, all that stuff, it it all gets kind of mixed together to make a good story and a good testimony to give people hope because... Everybody's at different places in their lives. Well, they are. And I'm a firm believer that God doesn't waste anything. No, he doesn't. So everything you've been through mm-hmm. positions you to be able to walk alongside somebody else going through a similar thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I spend most of my time doing now mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, and like I said, that could be just as something as small as going out to lunch. Mm-hmm. You know? That's huge. Sending a text message. Yeah. You know? Uh Ask them to go fishing with me. Mm-hmm. You know, just ask them along, bugging them to yeah. go do different little things. And them just knowing someone cares and is reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. You don't even talk about anything spiritual. Yeah. It's just showing that you're there for them, that you love them. Yeah. And willing to listen. Yep. And then over time, you know, that relationship builds. Right. And then that's when the things start coming out. And then that's when the healing starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Because they get to understand you. Mm-hmm. And then you understand them. And then they trust you. Mm-hmm. They've seen what you've been through. And because they've seen what you've been through and they're starting to trust you, now they start believing, they try to start trusting in Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know? So it's just kind of the process going through all that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I think it's encouraging to hear, too, that not only were other military people, but also somebody, your friend Rob, that wasn't. Yes. And yet, so we don't have to say that you don't have to have exactly the same experience another person no to be their friend and walk through it yes uh and that's the thing about rob rob had been through a lot of traumas in his life and i'm not going to dig too deep into his story because that's his Mm -hmm. but he's been a a man who has 
seen tons of trauma in his life and uh, had a lot of people turning their backs on him okay. from some choices he's made. So I stood by him, and mm-hmm. then when I was going through things, he stood by me. So we're two guys who have endured a lot of trauma in life mm-hmm. that have just stayed by each other because yeah. even though we have different traumas, trauma's trauma. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. I mean, PTSD, the number one cause of PTSD is car accidents. Hmm. It's not even anything combat-related. Wow. Yeah, so that's why trauma's trauma. It doesn't matter where it comes mm-hmm. from. It doesn't matter if you're a veteran or a civilian, a first responder or what. It's trauma's trauma and, and everybody deals with it at some point in life wow. and it's how you handle it and learning how to do it in a healthy way that makes a difference so as you look at your life now um what are some things that make mitch roberts come alive ah, serving others mm. serving others seeing people come out of their shell of pain and torment that they live in and seeing them get that glimmer of hope in their eyes and i'm sure you know what i'm talking about with what you've done in life, mm-hmm. it's you see that dull look on their face the first time you meet them, mm-hmm. that hollow look, that yeah. that crushed look, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you spend time with them and serve and love on them, when they start getting that twinkle in their eyes yeah. and that little pep and that little like excitement in their voice, yeah. that's what I love. I love serving others and helping walk alongside them, seeing them come out of that despair and when they start feeling that hope mm-hmm. and get some yeah. joy back in their lives. Yeah. That's That's what I really love. That's, That's what gets me going. I bet you're really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how good I, I am at it, but I do enjoy watching it happen to others. That's for sure. You can receive that. Mitch, I bet you're really good at that. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I appreciate I it. I you in action. So. so use the next few minutes to think if you could communicate a message of hope yes. to people wherever they happen to see this. What would you say? With Jesus, there is hope for anything and everyone. Because I'll tell you this. I so badly did not want to live at times in my life. I didn't have any hope. Zero hope. But after realizing what Jesus can do, I have hope for everything now. And I think everybody out there should have hope if you know Jesus or know about Jesus. And if you don't, there's still hope and there's still time for you. There is. There is. Just got to come talk to one of us. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. So somebody that's going, okay, that sounds really good. If you're coming from a position where you don't have hope mm-hmm. or you're dealing with trauma, what would be one or two first steps somebody might try? One or two first steps is if you don't have hope, first of all, get with a believer. Okay. Someone who's already on a positive mindset, mind track. Find somebody else who has also gone through similar things as you between and that has survived. Between finding someone that you can relate to mm-hmm. that has survived and gone through things and that has hope now in their life. Okay. Um, and then it's important, too, to find someone who's spiritually connected mm-hmm. because you don't want to go down the wrong path. So I would say find, try to find somebody with a similar testimony mm-hmm. and then find uh, a spiritual leader of some sort, some sort that you can trust and pour into because they're going to get you on the right path. You know, start with your churches. That'd be probably the first place I would go to. Start with your church and see which way they want to point you. Okay, good. And Warrior Set Free and Set Free Ministries is available. Warrior Set Free and Set Free Ministries. Uh, Warrior Set Free for the veteran side, Set Free side for the civilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the veteran side with Warrior Set Free also takes first responders. They do a great job of guiding people through tra- uh, dealing with their traumas mm-hmm. um, on a spiritual level. And that's why I work with them mm-hmm. because uh, therapy and counseling is good. 
but if we can if we can tackle the spiritual aspect of things, mm-hmm. that covers a lot of things, and that's what does the most good, I believe. Yeah, Putting the Lord into it. Absolutely. Well, Miss, thank you. This Thanks for really having me, John. Fun. Always uh, enjoy our conversation. Yes. Love you so much, brother. Love you too. Okay. Well, I'm John Smith. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Kingdom Real. We look forward to seeing you again real soon. Bye-bye for now.